It's Wednesday. You know what that means. Welcome in the Highly Disputed. My name is Dylan Bishop. With me, as always, is Ryan Stickle. How's it going, Ryan? This is a very exciting day. The playoffs are finally upon us here in D2 football. Um, you know, this has been a, a a year full of ups and downs, I think. Uh, plenty of ups, but, you know, just been a, a strange journey, but we finally made it. Uh, we're in a, a, a region that I did not expect to be in. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we got a lot, uh, a lot in store for this show. We sure do. Uh, so we had we had to bring in it is it is D two playoffs season. So we had to bring on Russell Goodacre, friend of the show, back returning champion. How's it going, Russ? Doing very well. Glad to be back. You know, it's that time of the year where you know this is November. Things get wild and fun. <laughs> you know, we don't tear down nets. We tear down goalposts. But hey, you know, this is where we're at. <laughs> Yeah, we are at specifically Shepherd University. Is uh, the Shepherd University? The Shepherd University. That's right. It looks like Tyson Bajan is gonna uh, close out his the current stint as a starter at a record of two and two. So, I mean, hey, same record Josh Allen's had this year as a starter. So, <laughs> <laughs> who's to say who's better? It's not me. It's not up for me to decide. It's for you, the viewer to the side and <laughs> Shepard meanwhile we had a bit of a curveball thrown our way we, we figured that when they beat Mercyhurst which we figured they would do and they did by a lot of points like we figured that they'd be in the playoffs it was just a question of you know will they get a home game or will they not and turns out Kutztown beat Slippery Rock, undefeated number one rank coming into the weekend, Slippery Rock, in the PSAC championship game. So that threw the whole home game marker out of the window because Kutztown was at five and Shepard was at six and you had to get the four for the for the home game. And of course, uh, Kutztown was going to stay above Shepard. Cal lost to East Stroudsburg, which ended up meaning that East Stroudsburg's in. Cal is out mm, due to the uh, University of New Haven winning the NE10 and getting ranked in the top nine and getting the earned access bid up to the seven seed, which means that they do have to go to the two seed in the region, which is Charleston. So New Haven goes to Charleston. That's region one. SR1's uh, first setup. Then you have uh, Slippery Rock ended up falling to four. Uh, Kutztown being ranked at three with the head-to-head, which makes sense in the end. So, Region 1, while we're at it, the one that Shepard's usually in looks like Tiffin at the one seed with the bye. Slippery Rock hosting East Stroudsburg. Charleston hosting New Haven. And Kutztown hosting, not Shepard, but Virginia Union. (laughs) The, the committee decided that, so I, I learned a lot, I learned a lot of these rules and standards due to Russ here. So Russ, you can, you. you can, you can uh, tell me if I'm wrong or add anything after I explain this, but the way I see it is 
five, six, and seven in the region are not actually ranked and sent to matchups that way. So it's not a three, it's not a two versus seven, it's not a three versus six, it's not a four versus five. It, with the exception of the earned access team. If you are in the tournament because of an earned access bid, meaning you finished eighth or ninth in the rankings, but you won your conference, so you get in as sort of an auto bid, then you have to play the two seed. And that's why New Haven was sent to Charleston. Uh, I have it right so far? That is correct. Okay. So that left Shepard and East Stroudsburg to play Slippery Rock and Kutztown. Problem there is both of those teams have played Kutztown so far this year, and the committee does their best to try to avoid rematches. We'll get to another region where that's not going, where that didn't end up happening. There's two of them, actually. There you go. Okay, there you go. Two of them. So, so they had the option to, if it worked with travel, send a team to a different region. So what did they do? They looked at Shepard and East Stroudsburg. said, you've both played Kutztown. Okay. East Stroudsburg, you're up in Pennsylvania. Shepard, you're down in West Virginia. Virginia Union is high enough in Virginia, north, north enough in Virginia, that they said, let's move Virginia Union to SR1 so that they play Kutztown, and then we'll throw East Stroudsburg versus Slippery Rock. There's no rematches there. Shepard, instead of going up to Kutztown or Slippery Rock, goes to Lenore Rhine in SR2, which is in North Carolina, about 600 miles away, which, as far as I know, is sort of the marker they they try to use for, if it's more than that, maybe they'll move things around. Anyway, that's what it ended up being. So, to avoid rematches, Shepard draws the short end of the stick and has to move regions and start playing in North Carolina, and if they keep winning, probably go even further south. I have that right? That is correct. The only difference was, you know, Shepard is only 383 miles from Lenore Ryan, so I mean, I think it's, it's six okay. hours. That's where you maybe on the 600. Kind of six confused. hours, yes. Okay. Six okay. hours, yeah, but it's 383 miles. It's a good long bus trip um, for people like myself who was there in the MEC days with the team as a student assistant. UVA Wise was eight, hour, eight hours by bus heading down that way, so it's probably a little bit longer than than that, I guess, but that's what this map thing says, but who knows? But otherwise, Shepard, in the end, got a rough draw, in my opinion, because Super Region 2 is a more difficult region, but also Super Region 1 is considered by everybody, you know, media, fans, uh, and whatnot, as the weakest region out of the four, just because there's a lot more Division 1 schools in the Northeast that take away from the talent pool. The resources at Division 2 and lower are not as standard compared to say your super regions three or four your scholarship levels are not there either alumni bases are down so a lot of factors for why that happens when you see a super region one champion going to the semifinals get sometimes curb smacked that's what happens <laughs> just being totally honest as it's mostly happened and you know the last team from super region one to win a semifinal game was the 2015 shepherd rams where we beat grand valley state at home 34 32 so it can happen but it's only happened three times since the uh, turn of the century in 2000. So it's not likely. So but going to Super Region 2 is going to be even more difficult in that regard for Shepard, especially trying to win a region for the third straight year. 
Yeah. So again, shepherds start. So to kind of get out ahead of ourselves here, you know, just we've all we've all done picks for for this uh, uh, division two tournament. We all have our brackets filled out. We definitely all did it uh, way ahead of time. We've had this prepped. Uh, <laughs> we definitely no one here did this at the last minute, and definitely not me. <laughs> but. We have our picks, and should we we just go ahead and we'll start with Shepard? Well, we, it'll be kind of weird not going one, two, three, four, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll they they switched it up on us, so we got to switch it up too. Uh, let's let's start with Shepard. How 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 we feeling, boys, about this game? <laughs> right <Good> question. <laughs> I guess I'll go first. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sure. Go ahead. All right. So, look at this matchup. It's definitely a tough matchup. I think Lenore Ryan's done a very good job. They're the champions of the Southern Athletic Conference, the SAC. They're down there in Zoop Region 2. So, they're 10 of 1. Their head coach is Mike Jacobs. He used to coach at Notre Dame College of Ohio. So, he knows Ernie and the Shepherd staff pretty well. And, you know, Ernie and the Shepherd staff know what Mike Jacobs does very well because, given, you know, Josh Klein's been here for a while. Jason Hare, one of the assistant coaches, has been here for a while. So there's some some familiarity going back and forth. So I think they'll know what to expect. Uh, Lenore Ryan is definitely um, a really good ball club. And I think that, you know, they score 38 points a game. They only give up 10 and a half. So you're going to round up to 11. They're very solid, good running game. They use two quarterbacks, both are really good. Um, and they force a fumble every game. They don't recover from game, but they at least force one. So. Shepard ball security, as we've seen, has been a big issue all year. Um, I hope they can don't turn it over whatsoever this week. And if they do, they're going to be in for a very long day. And I hate to admit it because um, I love Ernie. They did a lot for me. And that staff just, you know, if you turn over, you're going to lose. That's just plain and simple. And, you know, even if they play their best game, I don't think they're going to be able to pull this one out on Saturday, even though I think they have a, they have a shot if they can play their best. I, I, I'm with you. Uh, Ryan, but uh, you you go ahead first. <laughs> well, uh, I guess it's a clean sweep here because, um, yeah, I, I do not have Shepard picked in my bracket. Uh, I going into this game, you know, I mean, we we've seen a couple versions of this team on a weekly basis, and sometimes you don't really know which one you're going to get. Uh, you know, sometimes they come out and the, it's bombs away. Uh, you know, throwing it all over the field, Seth Morgan. Not a ton of attempts, but a ton of yards. Um, you know, just playing matchups, getting behind the defense. And then we've seen a couple games, specifically later in the year, uh, where they come out and they run the ball pretty well. But even with that, like you mentioned, they've, they've had those fumbles. And you, you consider all that. Uh, the travel, I think they're going to feel it a little bit. It's, it's a longer trip than they're used to, especially – you know, I mean, I, I guess at this point we, we've all been, you know, players wise, we, we've been in the, the same conference for a few years. The travel really isn't that terrible. Uh, you know, I know made one long trip up to up to Connecticut, but uh, for the most part, it's it's been pretty reasonable, you know, outside of the playoffs. And, you know, you get used to that a little bit. And so I think they're going to feel that travel and, you know, all the other factors at play. You know, I just the offensive line. You know they got their props the, today with the uh, the all conference selections. Um, they're definitely one of the better lines in the conference. But you get into the playoffs, and we've seen it be an issue 
in those semifinals. And now that we're out of the region already, I think it's going to rear its head a little bit. And so, yeah, not feeling great. I think it'll they should be able to compete with this team at the very least for, for a half. Um, but I just I'm, – I'm not feeling confident, so. No, I, I think there, there just comes a point where Sh- Shepard, within their own region and within their own uh, geographic location, their, their conference and all that, is a really good team, uh, generally speaking. But even the best Shepard teams – when they go outside of SR1, uh, they can get handled. We saw that with School of Mines last year. Tyson, it became a talking point in the media how bad Tyson did against Colorado School of Mines. Uh, I mean, and, and to be fair, it was fucking bullshit. Excuse my French. It was. It was. <laughs> it was. It, but it was. But what it spoke to really was how much better that defensive line was than Shepard's offensive line. And that's a trend that you're going to see a lot of times uh, with these other regions when Shepard goes up against them. Like you said, Russ, a team from SR1 has only won a semifinal game three times since 2000. So it's when they go outside of the region, it gets tough. And Lenore Ryan, although they are what the four seed in the region, um, I, you know that I swear by Bill Connolly's SP plus numbers. Uh, according to that no, those numbers, uh, Lenore Ryan is the number eight team in the country uh, with the 18th best offense and fourth best defense in the country. Where, uh, Meanwhile, Shepard's down at 24th with the 27th best offense and the 40th best defense. I think this is just going to be an example of you're good – but you're not really good. You're not, and you're not consistent enough you're, uh, to hang with teams like this. And it's not quite Grand Valley or Fair State or School of Mines, but it's that next, it's that next one down. So it's it's not you know Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Georgia, but it is a team that's like you know you're playing Oregon, and you're more of a you know. Oregon State right now at this point, you know? I think also with this team, you know, we we had at least, you know, the Fair State game, I think we all knew how that was going to go. School of Mines last year, we were able to at least talk ourselves into how it could be competitive. Um, right. And, you know, you, you, you think, all right, we have Tyson, we have Ronnie Brown, and even Ronnie Brown in that game made some really good plays. And with this team, there's plenty of really good players, you know, the, the skill position guys look good, Seth Morgan, I think has done an amazing job this season stepping in in really a tough situation, taking over for such a great quarterback. Um, but I just don't know what this team – I don't know what they lean on, you know, to to get themselves back into a game or get themselves on track. Because right now yeah. the only thing I can think of is, like, punt and kickoff return. And that, they, that, that they've can't been be the running thing the ball on. well, but can you trust the running backs not to fumble? Right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. And, and then – if you're forced to pass the ball against such a good defense, if they shut down the run, Seth Morgan has shown to be good, but he hasn't shown to be able to carry an entire game except for, you know, maybe Cal, he made a lot of good throws, but it hasn't been consistent enough. And the play, honestly, the play calling hasn't shown consistency enough for me to 
think that they can, um, you know, show up for an entire game or an entire four quarters, really. And I just think that you're going to run into a team that's probably just a little better than you. And they're the home team. And I think those things just add up at some point. If we're going off of the SP plus projection, it probably it would be about uh, 12 points in favor of Lenore Ryan. I'm going to find the exact one. Uh, 13. So the projection is 33 to 20, Lenore Ryan over Shepard. That feels about right. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's interesting because uh, Massey Sports, which is a metric that I and a lot of people on the uh, Division Two website use, they have Lenore Ryan as its 46th best team overall uh, with the 18th best offense, 15th best defense, and Shepard at 47th overall in Division Two this year right now with, you know, 35th offense and uh, 69th defense. Um, not nice, nice. there. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, so like that's where the disparities kind of are, but this is not a great matchup. And a fun fact about uh, Lenore Ryan and Super Region 2 is they are the last team non-Gulf South Coast or GSC that's won the region. That was back in 2013 when they oh. won the region and then beat Westchester in the semifinals and they lost to, you know, Northwest Missouri State by 15 points in that year's title game. But the Gulf South Coast, totally dominates this region for the majority of the last decade, even even further into the century. And the bottom of this region, if you can turn the pages a little bit, yep, it's very loaded with golf South conference. You have, you know, Delta state at nine and one as a two seed. They get to have a rematch with West Florida, who ironically their only loss for Delta state was actually against West Florida, who beat him in the playoffs also last year. So they have their number kind of there, which is kind of fascinating. It's one of the, so I'm kind of curious how that game goes. Um, then you have Valdosta State, who's ten and one. They're the champions of the Gulf South this year, and they host Limestone, who's eight and three. Um, looking at these two matchups, I think they're really good matchups. Um, I think Delta State gets a revenge from the last two matchups and beats West Florida, and then I think Valdosta State wins the, their first round over uh, Limestone. I'm with you on that. I'm. Uh, I'll spoil it here. I think the winner of Delta State West Florida wins the region. Uh, I think that's how that'll play out. Those are two really, really good teams that are, you know, last couple of years have done that sort of thing where they play each other and the, whoever comes out on top goes really far. And I, I'm with you, Valdosta State, as well. Uh, I was looking, I always like to look down these rankings and say, who are the worst teams according to the metrics that got into the play into the playoffs? And the third worst is limestone. They're below uh, New Haven, only above Kutztown and central Washington. So uh, that's what uh, I'll go ahead and say that uh, Valdosta state moves on. Yeah, and West Florida, Limestone, and then Central Washington, they are the only schools in this playoff field who have three losses, So, which is another interesting fact um, to look at going forward in, in this postseason run this year. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to, you know, the teams they've played and, you know, the quality of their football team that, you know, they're able to lose three games and, and still make it in there. Um, I do have – I have Delta State beating West Florida. You know, I got Valdosta State, and then I got, I got Delta moving on. Two face. Uh, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of ourselves. I, I got him. We, we all have Benedict versus uh, Lenore Ryan. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. So I have uh, Benedict coming out of that one, and then uh, I'm kind of I'm going chalk with this uh, this region here. I think it's I got Delta State and Benedict, and I think Benedict pulls it out. 
over the uh, over the more I guess we'll call them experienced uh, postseason team, at least in the last year or two. Here is uh, where I go off the rails a little bit. I think for <laughs> Ryan upsets Benedict. Benedict is a fun story. They were the number one seed last year, winning the uh, Southern Inter- Athletic Conference, the SIAC again, and they got upset in their first game at home. And, you know, I think they'll be playing better this year, but I think it's Lenore Ryan's getting hot at the right time. Mm. Mm. I mean, Benedict, don't face. although I will say Benedict has a top two Division two defense this year, I just don't know if their offense can do enough to get, mm. get through Lenore Ryan's defense. So we'll have to wait and see with that. And then I have Delta State beating Lenore Ryan in the regional final. Yes. Yeah, so in SP Plus, this uh, Benedict versus Lenore Ryan would be, like you said, Lenore Ryan with the fourth best defense, according to these metrics. And Benedict with number one in Division Two. And be uh, the offenses are pretty even 20, 20th, 18th versus 20th. This is pretty much a dead heat. Uh, yep. In terms of uh, points projection, there's about a half point difference between Benedict and Lenore Ryan. And there's also only about the same between Benedict and Delta State. So those three teams are six, seven, and eight overall in SP. So it's kind of a toss up here, but I- I'm going to say that Benedict and Delta State is the regional final. And I'll take the team with the experience like Ryan. I'll, uh, I'll take Delta State or. Uh, I think, uh, or no, Ryan was the one that took uh, Benedict, right? Yes, yes. I, I, like Russ, I, I will, took, I will take uh, Delta State. I mean, Grant, I picked Delta State to win the region last year, and they lost in the second round of West Florida. So, I mean, hey, I could be wrong. I mean, that's that's the that's the gamble we're we're taking here. Yeah, like, all three of us are taking. Really, is I like I said, I think Delta State versus West Florida. I think the winner of that comes out of the region. Yeah, I I, I agree with that absolutely. Yep. Um. Do you guys want to go back to our original region where we're supposed yeah, to? Yeah, let's go home. <laughs> let's go home. All right. Here's so, where here's where I can really pick some games. Yeah. So <laughs> we've got we've got a Slippery Rock versus East Stroudsburg. Let's start there. It's the number four uh, <laughs> Slippery Rock team against East Stroudsburg, who only got in with really they needed that last week of the season win over Cal. It was a very close and entertaining end of the game. There, I was watching yes, it with. Uh, I was watching that on Doug Dorner's phone. Shout out to uh, super fan Doug. Shout out to Doug. <laughs> um, and hey, that man has a mean tailgate too. With those, uh, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, those those like smoked turkeys <laughs> on a stick. Oh, and he'll give it all away. my guy. Fantastic. He was he he was just he's throwing his food and drinks at me. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, please Jamie take D, it. Two weeks take ago, my, yeah, he was like, take yeah, my wife, take care of food, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take our beer, take our water. Yeah, like, all right, thanks, Doug. Great breakfast, my guy. Yeah, for real. Uh, I'm going with Slippery Rock. Um, I think that the the classic PSAC championship loss uh, before rattling off a uh, playoff run is camp could be a thing for them. Uh, they're, They're good enough to do it, but. Well, we won't get too ahead of ourselves. I'll start with picking them over East Stroudsburg, who, eh, they're okay, but they got pounded by Shepard, so they're going to get pounded by Slippery Rock, who is better than Shepard. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I mean, Jimmy Tuliger at uh, East Stroudsburg, hell of a job from a coaching standpoint. Not enough firepower to keep up with Slippery Rock. And Slippery Rock coming off a bad loss. They're going to come back and lay some wood this week. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't really have much to say about this game. I think Slippery Rock is a great deal better. Uh, they are one of the most underseated teams in literally the whole country at four. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think East Stroudsburg has a shot. To be quite honest with you, so this one should wrap up by halftime. Right, they kind of it kind of worked out unfavorably in their you know for them uh, losing at the last week of the season and it was to a team that was high enough in the rankings to where they could jump up over them so you kind of got a bad draw when it comes to being the number four seed when they're probably you know still the first or second best team in the region which means that we'll probably get the two best teams in the region playing each other uh, in the second round slippery rock and tiffin but uh yeah, that's that should be that should be a pretty easy win for for Slip to start things out, but we'll see. Uh, Charleston and New Haven. I was surprised to see how far up in SP Plus Charleston was. So they're they're not it's not a fraudulent uh, two seed for them. They are they're twenty second in the nation, which is in SP Plus seventh best offense, eightieth best defense, uh, which might be one of the worst defenses of any of the teams in the playoffs. It's not worse than Central Missouri, but lucky for them, uh, they have the fourth best offense to go along with it. So if I'm looking down the list, I do believe that is the second worst defense of any playoff team in the metric. But that being said, they're playing New Haven, who 7-2 out of the any 10 has the 79th best offense and 7th best defense. So the New Haven offense versus Charleston's defense will be a slot fest, I guess. Bad <laughs> and bad. But the Charleston offense versus the New Haven defense will be strength on strength. So does defense win championships? Does, does defense get the upset after the long travel for, for New Haven? Not in this matchup. Um, I will say that Charleston's defense Gordon Massey is 92nd in 31st overall offense and 44th overall, but New Haven's offense sucks. And I don't, they're not going to have enough firepower to keep up with Charleston's offense, even though their defense is great. Charleston's going to be running like scoring at will. So I'm thinking Charleston in a landslide in this one. Sorry, New Haven. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like uh, Charleston. I like their ability to, to put up points. I think that's, <laughs> I think scoring points is pretty important. Yeah, that'll be a trend. That'll be a trend in my uh, <laughs> Super Region one. The scoring points. Yeah, that's uh, chalk so far. But uh, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna throw it out here right now. The chalk start. The chalk stops now. Virginia Union travels to to Kutztown, and I'm throwing it out there. I'm picking the upset. The Virginia Union comes in in SB plus twelfth in the nation, and Kutztown's all the way down at forty fourth. One of the worst teams in uh, the the metrics do not like Kutztown at all, which makes sense when you see results on Kutztown season like Shippensburg win nine to six in overtime at home. So <laughs> I will be picking Jada Byers and Virginia Union, the best running back in the nation, perhaps, to run all over the Golden Bears. I agree, but the most fascinating matchup to me in this game is, do you guys want to guess how many rushing touchdowns Virginia Union has given up this year? One. Correct. 
(laughs) (laughs) They have given up one and cuts down as one of the better rushing offenses in this region. And I think defense and the, I mean, the CIAA is a good conference. Um, and they were the only team with the CIAA to get in. But I think them playing in a tougher region overall and Kutztown's inability to get the ball down the field, even though I like their freshman quarterback, who I think is going to be good um, in future years, I just don't know how they're going to be able to move the ball against Virginia Union in this game. They got a bad draw, too, to be honest with you. All right. I'll say this. I don't think Kutztown is the better team. But they have a good way of just pulling games out of their ass, and they they have one more in them. So <laughs> they're gonna <laughs> the rare uh, home team upset is gonna come through here, and uh, they're gonna win some game. It's gonna be you know twenty three to twenty probably be the final score, and we'll all look at it and be like, well, how did they do that? Kind of like we did against Slippery Rock. Um, they're gonna use that that to me, you know. Spoiler alert, I guess. That's their last bit of magic on the season. So, Ryan, does Matt Canada – off? Uh, is, is he the OC clone for Kutztown? Because their offense is brutal, and they win games like, like the Steelers do. You know, they he <laughs> might be. You know, I, I don't know how many end-arounds they run on a regular basis, but, <laughs> you know, they might they, – they, they do follow the same formula. They just – they bring you into the mud and, and duke it out with you. When ugly, scratch your head, and you're like, well, they're yeah. good. The Slippery Rock one was extra weird because they they pretty much just dominated. It wasn't like oh they won twenty to seventeen. Like they it had the ball yeah. in forty minutes. They killed them. I don't know how they did it. Weird. It's just Kutztown. I don't I don't know. There's it it cannot be explained. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, we roll back around to uh, Tiff and Slippery Rock. Uh. Yeah, let's 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 roll with Tiffin and Slippery Rock. I uh, think you're gonna have the offensive slugfest in this game because Tiffin can score the ball at will on, on anybody, and I think Slippery Rock can as well. But I think Slippery Rock wins like a 55-52, air it out, just oof. just let it fly sort of game. Okay, um, I'm gonna go with Tiffin because I think they're both high-powered offenses. Um, I'm going to go with, with Tiffin for having a little bit of a better defense. They are top 10 in, in both offense and defense, which is not in SP plus at the very least, which is something that only a few other teams can say Grand Valley state, Harding, Ferris state, uh, Delta state and Colorado school of mines. I believe are the only other teams that can say that. I think uh, Slippery Rock in this game, they're coming off a loss, a, a pretty bad loss this week. They're going to have a nice little get-right game against a team that's not not terrible, but they should handle them. And then they're going to use that rhythm, that momentum. They're going to go into Tiffin. And listen, the Slippery Rock is telling themselves, we've been number one in this region all year. That clearly was an anomaly. We're going to come in here and we're going to handle business. And... uh they're gonna they're gonna beat Tiffin, knock off the one seed early, I should say, and that's that's wow. That's, it, it is a bad draw for Slippery Rock having to play the one seed in the second round, but I, I think it will benefit them. Makes sense. Uh, I actually I read these rankings wrong. The only teams that can say that they're top ten in SP plus in both offense and defense are Tiffin and Harding, 
and that's it. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. So, yeah. so I'm going to go with Tiffin. You guys are going with Slippery Rock? Yep. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, on the other side, Charleston versus Virginia Union. I like Charleston and uh... – for me, because for me, it's Charleston and Virginia Union. I just think Charleston is a little more explosive, and with them having the home game, a second home game at that point, I think that would be beneficial for them. So, give me Charleston there. So Ryan's got Charleston versus Kutztown. Yes, and I you're, do. You're, pick, you're also picking Charleston. I'm picking Charleston. I think Kutztown is uh, finally just going to meet a team that's that's able to to put up some points on them. Uh, so Charleston will. Charleston will win. I think. I think even though they're a two seed, I think it, they'll be kind, kind of the pleasant surprise in this region. I'm gonna go unless the other you, direction. Um, unless, I will say, unless you hate Charleston, then they're not pleasant <laughs> surprise. <laughs> I am sticking. I'm gonna, this is a little bit of a, my Cinderella run here. I'm going with Virginia Union Whoa. to win a mm. second game, beat Charleston, have a uh, Jada Byers in the run game. Uh, chewing the clock and keeping the Charleston offense off of the field. Charleston's 80th ranked defense in SP Plus. Mm. And if I'm sticking with those metrics, the projection for that game, even with Virginia Union on the road, SP Plus would, I believe, favor Virginia Union by about a field goal. So okay. I'm, ro- I'm rolling with uh, Bill Connolly on this one. <laughs> <laughs> So that sets up, uh, I think, three different regional championship games for uh, for the three of us. I, I think Tiffin, it does. I have Tiffin and Virginia Union, uh, and then uh, or actually, you two have the same. You both have Slippery Rock versus Charleston, don't you? I do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So you two talk talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Breakout groups. Um, yeah. So. This game would be played at Charleston in our, me and Ryan's theoretical bracketology world, but Slipper Rock is a better team here. I think Slipper Rock goes in there, handles business, and completes what Shepard did last year in Super Region 1, is lo- lose the PSAC title game, come back, win three in a row, and then you're going to the semifinals. Yeah, I agree. I think this could you know, look similar to that Shepard game as well when they went into IUP and just completely dominated. Uh, I think Slipper Rock's going to go on the road and uh, I, I don't think it'll come as a massive surprise that they come in and handle business, but I uh, have them winning and coming out of Super Region 1, which I think two weeks ago would have sounded like the easiest choice ever. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give me Tiffin over Virginia Union. <laughs> <laughs> this, is my, this is my Cinderella uh, region. You know, when you, when, you make a, when you make a bracket in March Madness, and you're like, how do I? And you get to the year elite eight, and you're like, oh, I have you know, one of I have one of you know Loyola and Oregon State going to the, the final four. Sure, <laughs> <Yeah>. why not? <laughs> but that's what we're rolling with. Uh, even though in this case the uh, the upset pick is the one seed in the region, so <laughs> I'm rolling with Tiffin. Give me Tiffin. Cool. Uh, let's. Uh, Let's say let's say region three for last because uh, why not? We're already out of order. <laughs> let's go down to region four and uh, stay away from the heavy hitters for a minute. Colorado School of Mines is the one seed in this region, Russ. Um, they are the runaway one seed in this region. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, John Matoka's back, having a 
arguably even better year, better year than his Harlan Hill year last year, which hard to say, but you know, they are absolutely steamrolling people. They had great wins week one versus Grand Valley State, and they beat Angelo State week two. And since then, they have been steamrolling everybody in the RMAC, and it's been really utter domination at its finest. That's all I need to say about School of Mines. I'm going to pause there. Is he going to win the Harlan Hill again? Who Who's the favorites there? I actually don't know. I think he's arguably the favorite. Um, I'd look more into it, but I think right now he's probably the favorite. How many two-time Harlan Hill winners are there? Do you want to guess who the last one was? Played in the NFL as a running back for the Patriots. Oh, that would be uh, Danny Woodhead. Correct. And there's a funny joke on the message board for D2Football.com. Is the second time he won, he probably shouldn't have won, according to the longtime historians of the D2 fan base and whatnot. But whatever, it's like, Harlan Hilton, who's going to win? Danny Woodhead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess Danny Woodhead had another year of eligibility with COVID. I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun to so, see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then there was a guy in the '90s who won three. I forget what his name was. I have to look it up. Yeah, I'll do some that's research. While talk, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, the rest of this region. Um, I don't care much about, but there are definitely other teams in it. It's Augustana versus <laughs> Minnesota State, um, West something, Western Colorado. Yeah, Western Colorado versus Central Washington. I wrote down acronyms, and I, I they weren't ways for me to actually remember. <laughs> Texas, Primavera versus uh, Bemidji State. <laughs> Texas um, Parmesan. Yep, yeah, Texas, something like Parmesan that. Basin. You know, arguably, <laughs> Texas Parmesan Basin might be the ultimate Cinderella story this year in Division Two. They were picked to be middle of the pack in the Lone Star Conference. That's what shocked everybody winning that conference this year. So congratulations to them, and – I think they'll beat Bemidji State because Bemidji State kind of backdoored their way in the last week. So, I like them winning that one. I'll say that one now. All right. We can start at the bottom. I agree. <laughs> I have yeah. uh, Texas Permian Basin, I believe, is how you would say that. I, on, I This is the region I know the least about, and I genuinely, because I don't follow anything going on over there, and I knew, I knew Mines was dominating this year, I had never heard of this school until I pulled up the bracket. Going to be completely. So, so, Ryan, this is like your area 51 region essentially where nothing happens. Nothing happens. Mine just comes out of there and, uh, you know, maybe a uh, Angelo State now and then. But yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Give me Bemidji State. All right. Oh, okay. Going bold. The rare, uh, you know, the team that I, I don't say rare, but, you know, every now and then you get a team that shouldn't have made it in and just wins anyway. Is that your uh, – that's the uh, team that's going to do it this year? That's what I'm going with. Um, no. Am I just going with whoever's ranked higher in SP Plus? Sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> going with the, uh, the, the Bill James of uh, D2 stats, essentially. <laughs> that's right. <Give> Bill C. <laughs> Bill C, but not Bill James. <laughs> do, we all, do we all have them facing Western Colorado? Is that the concern? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the metrics say that uh, Central Washington is the worst team in in the playoffs by oh, a man. pretty solid margin. And do, do you guys want to guess who Western Colorado's only loss was this year was to? <laughs> was it School <laughs> was of Mines? Central Washington. It was School of Mines. Okay. <laughs> there you go. 
So yeah, then we have the uh, the Northern Sun Conference, which is you know Ryan's favorite conference from last year with the NSYNC group with Augustana and Minnesota State. I like Augustana, you know, home game. They know each other well, and Augustana won the conference. Give me Augustana. All right, I got the upset here. Minnesota State gonna pull it out. Whoa! Okay. I, uh, I have I have zero reasoning behind this because I know. Whoever wins will not advance. Correct. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got Augustana. There might might be a point in time in the in the podcast here where I drop out for a few minutes. You boys just keep talking without me. uh, (laughs) Oh, we got you. If if that happens, so don't don't be waiting for me to chime in. Uh, If if I don't, just assume that I've gone. All right, I will be so if that happens. So speaking of assuming, can we just assume that Mines just wins the next the, that second round game versus Augustana or Minnesota State? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, got, yeah. I think we're all. I think I can probably guess where we all have Mines going at the very. Yeah, end, we so. got uh, we got Mines going. Yeah, okay. Um, second round. Um, trying to think, Dylan, you had Texas PB versus Western Colorado, like like I did, right? Uh, I got Bemidji. All right, I'm the lone dog on this one, but I like Western Colorado. The Cinderella story ends for Texas PB. I have the uh, – I got the same thing. I have Western Colorado facing mines. What do you got with Bemidji? <laughs> uh, I got Western Colorado beating Bemidji. All right. So uh, – Rematch. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, – Mines. What, all, yeah, mines. <laughs> mines. Easiest advance, advance minds to final four. Yeah, yeah. Advance into final four and 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 the overall one seed. That's where I have them as the overall one. But yeah. Ooh, okay. Mm. A little taste for later. I see. Oh, I forgot about the reseeding at the. Uh... Yep. Oh yeah, I got mine. Mm. I got my. I got my uh, top four here ready when we get past uh, that. Change, that changes my prediction. Oh Excuse man. Me. I oh boy. To, forgot to account for the for the reseeding. All right, but let's go on to the 1927 New York Yankees Super Region 3. Um, <laughs> so the winners of the GAC number one seed Harding, they're 11-0, one of the better defenses in Division 2. They'll take on the winners of the at-large bids from the MIAA Central Missouri and the at-large from the GAC Henderson State. Give me, uh, give me Central Missouri. Yes. I agree. Uh, that, that's where I'm going. All right. Now, a really fun and the second matchup in the regular season that we'll see in the uh, playoffs for the first round. Number two, Grand Valley State and Ferris State. Yeah. Give me Ladies that. and gentlemen, we have the Muhammad Ali versus Mike Tyson of fights in Division II first rounds. Right here in Lubbers. Up there in Michigan. So, for those who don't recall the first matchup this time, Grand Valley State, they won the game. They got up 35 nothing, And then it got to 35-28 before Grand Valley pulled away late. So, and also a fun note for this game, Ferris State coach Tony Amis cannot coach this game. Some of you might be asking, why can he not coach? You know, he got into the playoffs, <laughs> two times champions. Oh well, so the NCAA, you know, they have their championships in McKinney, Texas, and the previous two years, Ferris State won pretty handily, and both oh. times they celebrated with smoking cigars, which, hey, very cool. 
problem is they cause a lot of damage in the locker room and the ventilation system, causing significant amount of fines. So after the first time, they won it over Valdosta in 2021. They got a nice warning, slap on the wrist. Cool, don't do it again. Last year when they destroyed mines, they did it again. They didn't learn their lesson. So, and this is their punishment plus fines to the school and the program. So, with that being said, probably the best game of the weekend, but I like Grand Valley at home. Granted, with the turmoil, this is not John Harbaugh level controversy, but here we are. <laughs> That's great. That's just like, screw you. We're doing it again. <laughs> and here I thought... and And of course, the committee responds with, all right. Here's your one-game playoff suspension, and you get Ferris State Yeah, in round one. Because <laughs> I thought when I saw that, when the news came out, I was like, oh, that game won't matter to them. That's going to be an easy first-round win. They'll move on. And here we are with two losses, and, uh, yeah, they get the, the best road trip you could ask for up to Grand Valley. Although, t- to be fair, one of the losses this year was the FCS Montana, where they were in the game all the way like, to the very end. So Yeah. But their only Division two loss was the Grand Valley. I'm going to go with Grand Valley. Yeah, I think Grand Valley, I think this will be a lot more competitive than that first matchup. Um, and they made it more competitive in that game itself. But uh, yep. I think this one, well, I think it's probably going to come down to the wire. These teams just play some classics. So, uh, but still, give me Grand Valley. Uh, I think they're, they're back this year. Yep. And then the last first round game, we have Pittsburgh State Champions of the MIAA. Versus the champions of the Great Lakes Valley Conference, UWindy. Pittsburgh State is ten and one. UWindy is nine and one. Um, Pittsburgh State, arguably one of the top two facilities for stadiums in Division Two. Um, it's a gorgeous venue. I like Pittsburgh State. The Gorillas get a get a solid win here. Give me the Gorillas. Yep, yeah, I agree. I think after uh, coming off of last season, I think they're gonna they're even better this year. Pittsburgh State gonna take care of business. All right, so second round, this will be another fun matchup. Pittsburgh State, in our opinion, would travel to Grand Valley. This would be a massive game, again, for like Grand Valley again. So I think this would be a very close game. Both teams are really good defensively, but I think Grand Valley barely pulls it out here. I'm with you. Um, there's kind of a top tier in the, in the analytics here. The metrics SP plus they have Grand Valley number one with the number one offense 22nd best defense so not a not a uh, world beater of a defense uh, Pittsburgh State's down at number nine with the 11th best offense 14th best defense uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Grand Valley here yeah I'm gonna go with Grand Valley as well uh, but I think it should be a good game. Pittsburgh State is—they just have just have such a good team this year. Um, it's kind of a shame that they get this draw in the second round. But uh, Grand Valley is Grand Valley, and they're going to do what they do. Yeah, and they almost beat Ferris State last year in the second round in this region, and like that's really rough for them two years in a row to get this kind of draw again. But you know, but also if you're a fan of stadiums across you know the sports world in general, you might. This is a matchup between the arguably. Two of the finest cathedrals in D2 football. If you want to look at the pictures, definitely go for it for yourself. Um, let's see. And then the other second round matchup for us, um, Harding being the one seed. I think we all had Central Missouri, correct? Uh, yes, yes, I think so. Um, 
Harding is a great defense. They run a triple option offense. Um, they run it effectively forever. I like Harding. Give me Harding. Yep, I got Harding as well. Nice to see them back uh, back up in here. I feel like they've been kind of uh, quiet the last couple of years. They they're a really good program. They are a really good program. And then I think our regional final is Harding and Grand Valley. And then this will be at Harding too, by the way, for those trying to. Yeah. Keep- so that's what I want. I want to bring this up right now. I'm gonna pick Grand Valley State, but these are the top two teams in SP Plus, and there's only a half point difference. Uh, separating number one Grand Valley, number two Harding. Uh, like I mentioned, Harding is the only other team other than uh, was it Tiffin that can say they have a top ten offense and defense in SP plus. Harding can say that they have a top five offense and defense. They have the number five offense and number two defense. I think that there's potential for an upset here, but yep. I think. Grand Valley gets it done barely. I think this is a this is their uh, brush with death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I think I'm probably in the same boat. Uh, I think you know, just by by name recognition, uh, just in the last couple of years, I think a lot of people might be quick to pick Grand Valley, but Harding's really really good. Obviously undefeated, but. Grand Valley, I for me, this is their year. They're gonna they're gonna come out of this uh, region. Yep. So, yeah. And speaking of this region, do you guys notice anything different with this region this year? Um, I see a rematch. I mean, well, there is that. But is there something that's not familiar to you guys compared to recent years? <laughs> I'm not that I'm noticing. Maybe I don't pay enough attention though. All right, so this year we had a streak in Division Two that was finally snapped for the first time. Oh, since... where's Northwest Missouri State? There we go. Oh, for the my first God. Time since 2003, the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats have missed the playoffs. They went 7-4. Wow. and four. So in 2003, I kind of teased Ryan and Dylan about this, but I was going to go – we're going to go back in time here to a year – I didn't give the year or whatnot, but we're going to go back to 2003 in the world what was going on back then. At the time, I was a seven-year-old in second grade, my first year at the lab school in Washington, D.C. <laughs> so now I've got to this into different sports for what was going on at this time. So, Ryan, first one for you. There's something interesting in 2003 that happened with, with both Shepherd football and the Steelers. What happened that year? Oh, man. Is that, uh, is that the last losing season for both those teams? Correct. Hey. Whoa. In the Division II world that year, Grand Valley State under Brian Kelly won the D2 championship with a 10-3 win. Uh, under who? Brian <laughs> Kelly, yep. Oh, my God. In the NFL that year – well, actually, sorry, one more college one USC did win the BCS title that year. NFL-wise, the Ravens won the AFC North going 10-6, with Jamal Lewis going over 2,000 yards, rushing and raising the defensive player of the year. And the Patriots won Super Bowl 38 that season over the Panthers 39 – or, sorry, 32-29 in Houston – with the famous wardrobe malfunction at halftime. So, you know, that one. <laughs> in the world of baseball in 2003, the, the Miami Marlins, then known as the Florida Marlins, defeated oh, the Yankees 4-2 to in the World Series. Since we're all Oriole fans, we got two Oriole ones for you. Opening mm-hmm. day in 2003, Jay Gibbons loses a fly ball in right field in the snowstorm opening day with the Orioles <laughs> with the then Cleveland Indians 5-3 to in extra innings. Yeah. And Eddie Murray goes in the Hall of Fame first ballot at 85.3%. 
NBA in the world of the NBA. The San Antonio Spurs beat the New Jersey Nets 4-2 in the NBA Finals. Tim Duncan was the NBA Finals. Some fellow named Michael Jordan retires for the third time, this time as a wizard, and the wizards <laughs> suck like they always do. Ryan, your Knicks that year in 2002-2003 went 37-45 and missed the playoffs. And Dylan, your Thunder. My Seattle, Seattle Supersonics. They're in, this, they're in Seattle, so yeah. Um, in the world of hockey, you know, the uh, New Jersey Devils beat the Anaheim Mighty Ducks in seven games. And my Capitals blew a 2-0 lead in the first round of Lightning. That's very typical. <laughs> so, now we have some cultural items from 2003. Fellas, what was the top song on the Billboard charts in 2003? Oh, man. Um, want a hint, I'll give you a hint for genre. Is it? Yeah, okay. Well, I'll take the genre hint. Rap music. Uh, give me a... Uh... Uh, in the club by 50 cent. Oh, man. Ding, 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 ding. ding. <laughs> I'm, I'm like Tony Reality is pressing the uh, around the horn. Just ding, 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 ding. Wow. Uh, all right. Box office movie of the year in 2003. If, all right. There's two parts. Name the movie and how much money made at the box office that year. Oh, man. Shit. 2003 was. It, 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 it's part of a series. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Yes. Return of the King. No. Uh, two towers. Yes. Okay. Um, how much money did it make? Four hundred million. Did not. I'm gonna go with. Uh, it made one point one billion dollars. All right. So looking at the um, Wikipedia for the year 2003, when it comes to this, it said it made twenty five million. Oh damn. Second on the list was just married at seventeen point five, and then three. Total marketing flop and hilariousness, Kangaroo Jack. Remember that? Funny <laughs> oh, anime? man. I used to oh, love of course, Kangaroo yeah. Jack when I was like, you know, that age, five five or six. <laughs> Not going to lie, I went on a rabbit hole the other day. I'm like, God, that movie was so cool. The trailer was great. It was like, oh, we see a rapping kangaroo doing rapper's delight. Like, oh, this is great. And it's like, he barely talks the entire movie. It's one like hallucination scene. Thanks a lot, Warner Brothers. <laughs> All right, since, since it's around Thanksgiving time, what was the price for a gallon of gas in Thanksgiving 2003? Oh, $1.79. That's, uh, mm, I don't know. I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to say it was about, uh, what would it is now? $3. Ryan's closer. It was, was $1.50. Oh, damn. Okay. Uh, I was oh. thinking, you know, Iraq, Iraq war, you know, you never, uh, usually, you know, sure. oil you know, con. No, I get that. Now, the last bullet point from 2003. What was the average, according to this one website, Thanksgiving meal without inflation? The number one man. I have no idea. Dylan, do you have any guesses? I Did guess he does them? not. I think we <laughs> lost him. But according to this one website, USA Today, in 2003, the average Thanksgiving meal, which I don't believe this to be true, but it says $36.78 before inflation. Maybe that's just for one person, but who knows? 36 I would imagine. Like, that would have to be – I feel like you could get – in 2003, I feel like you could get everything for that much. If you – like a turkey, two or Stuff three sides. And then, like, some bread. I feel like you can get that for 36. Maybe some, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, so as people are listening to this, Dylan is dropped for a little bit. He'll be back in a moment. But yeah, so pretty much like that's how much a Thanksgiving uh, cost in 2003. So if you're thinking, man, why was it in 2003? Again, Northwest Missouri State missed the playoffs the first time since then. And that is what life is like in D2. And also, it'll be the next year when the D2 bracket will expand from 16 teams to 24. Ground mm. buys. And then instead of one through four in each region, one through six regions. I will say the funniest thing about all three stuff is how many uh, teams that were mentioned have different names. <laughs> like the supersonics <laughs> there's uh yeah who else was in there i already forget so you had the the miami marlins but they were the florida marlins yes. and you the cleveland guardians but back in 03 they were the cleveland ah, Indians, yes. so those those are the two big ones and then you had you know brian <laughs> kelly at notre dame you had north dakota still in division two <laughs> yeah brian kelly was at a uh, grand valley state Right. Yep. That's he was. That sounds fake, but also makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Um. <clears throat> anyway, our final four. Um. There's reseeding done at the final four. How are we? How are we dealing with this, Russ? With our with our uh, bracket here. So I got mines as the one. So for those that don't know, one would host four, two host three at, at the home sites of the campus. So I got Mines hosting four seeds, Slippy Rock, and then Grand Valley State hosting Delta State. So for me in the final four, I have School of Mines versus Slippy Rock, and I think Mines just takes it to uh, Slippy Rock because I just, you know, like I had in Chevy last year, it's just not going to be pretty. Elevation change, long travel by flight, and School of Mines is just better. So School of Mines there. And then Grand Valley versus Delta State at Grand Valley. Um, it's going to be colder for Delta State going to Michigan because they're in Cleveland, Mississippi, and that's going to be a long trip. But I like Grand Valley State there. So I got Mines versus Grand Valley for the title game. I have the same thing. My my final four is the same outside of I have Tiffin instead of Slippery Rock. And I'll go with your same seating as a result. Um, Mines over Tiffin, Grand Valley State over Delta State. Well, I think we all came to the same conclusion because I have my, my one through four is, is Mines, Grand Valley, Benedict, Slippery Rock. And uh, I think the semifinal games are going to be fairly dominant on both sides. I think Mines more so uh, over Slippery Rock. That was, that's going to be one of those 42 to 14 type of scores, I think. Uh, and then uh, it'll look, it, you know, it'll look like the Shepherd game last year. And then uh, Grand Valley handling Benedict with with mostly ease maybe they keep it close for a half but then yeah mine's grand valley in the title game so and uh yeah go ahead russ you you make the first pick so saturday december 16th 1 p.m isd mckinney stadium grand valley versus mines school of mines their second straight trip in a row second overall as a program grand valley state looking for their first championship since 2006 when they won four out of five the curse is over. Grand Valley pulls uh, pulls the win and brings the championship back on the Grand Valley, winning their fifth. I'm going to say second year for School of Mines getting to the title game. Second year that they lose, uh, Grand Valley State. Uh, that's who I'm going with, too. Man. 
we just so people know, we did not discuss this nope. as we did it. We did all the we separate. Did so I have also yeah. Grand Valley beating Mines, a close game, probably a field goal game, great title game. Uh, unlike previous, you know, couple years here, uh, they're gonna they're gonna get over the hump here, and they're gonna do it. I think I'll go back to SP plus one last time. I think the projection here, it being on a neutral field, would be Grand Valley by two points. There we go. Yeah, sounds about so, right. Yeah, they're and they they are the two best teams in Division Two this year. So it, it is kind of fitting in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hard to mm-hmm. dispute. So there we go. Nice. Yeah, and for and for our Shepherd faithful who are listening, you know, we did mention earlier on that. You know, while it's still a great year, we don't think they're going to be to beat Lenore Ryan. But for some historical perspectives here, this is Shepard's 19th postseason appearance. Uh, 15 of them in D2, four of them in the NIIA. Overall, it's a 21 and 18 playoff record with 20 and 13 in Division Two. Overall, 12 and five at home at Ram Stadium, nine and 12 on the road, and 0 and one in the neutral site for the 2015 National Future game. So, this is their 40th game in the playoffs for a non-fully funded program in West Virginia. This is a historically, you know, awesome achievement. Very proud of Ernie and, and the guys and everybody in the department. So congrats to everybody there. Prove us all yep. wrong, please. We would love for that to happen because we, we love talking about you guys. So <laughs> yeah. solid, prove us wrong, and we'll look, look like idiots. So, hey. Oh, I would hate it if Shepard won. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my bracket. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it is uh, just amazing that they're able to have this this big football program at this little school, um, you know, and the fact that, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this was a down year for them, you know, like, <laughs> we're not used to, you know, the past few years being, you know, having a couple losses, especially one of them not being uh, <laughs> a good loss, to put it kindly. Right, it was really like, man, they really dropped the ball with that game, with that Bloomsburg game pretty disappointing there but you know solid overall and uh it's a it's a playoff game you know it's a playoff appearance it's not a home game but it was literally if you didn't drop a game that you should have definitely won against a team you definitely should have beat then you would have had a home playoff game and that's on a down year i mean to be fair though are we sure though because granted Kutztown did win the PSAC against Slippery rocks. I mean, it's still a top four. We're gonna hard to break into that. True, true. You know, sounds got two losses though, so I don't know. It would have been interesting. It would have been very interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, I think I think Shepard with one loss, and I mean, listen, the voters. I think the voters really do at this point like and respect Shepard. It was such an issue I felt like in the Mountain East, and that was you know kind of a little bit of the reason they moved. I think is we got to get in a good conference because we know we can still win a lot of games. And, you know, we don't want to go undefeated and be ranked third or fourth. We just don't want that anymore. And so, um, yeah. you know, I think Shepard, with the the kind of acumen they've built, the respect they have, them with one loss against the conference champion, I think they, they would have been up there. And also, Ryan, to your point that you made about the PSAC move was, this is Shepard's um, fourth playoff appearance as a part of the PSAC, which matches all four playoff appearances that they had when, they, when in the MEC. Yeah. Yeah, they've they've risen to the occasion in this conference, and um, you know, best conference in the region, and they're right there at the end every season, uh, competing for it. So, 
you know, right. If, the, in next year, right? I mean, let's say this is kind of a retooling, rebuilding year. If if they get right back to it next year, being truly dominant, because I think you know, record aside, I think it, it felt like a down year just because of how many close kind of uh, close final scores there were compared to to other years. You know, you're not this team's not really used to playing Shippensburg and winning by one score, albeit a, a garbage time score got them there. But usually sure. teams like that, you just we're at halftime just kind of hanging out and that just wasn't the case this year it was just a little bit yep. different and again you know talking about the mountain east even shepherd not in their greatest years in the mountain east could dominate at least half those schools right so um credit to them and hopefully next year you know they look even better and I, i'll definitely be holding them to a higher standard next season than i did this year i, I was giving them plenty of leeway this year to figure things out especially the quarterback position and I mean, the running back position, like it, it was it was different. So it, it didn't turn out how we thought. We thought it might be a low scoring defensive minded team. It, it turned out to look like a lot of the other Shepherd teams. <laughs> so, sure. And I think yeah. to add on to your points, too, Ryan, you know, first of all, the PSAC this year had the most teams in the playoffs at four, which is a nice testament there as well for Shepherd to look good there. And, and, you know, they only had three seniors this year after the whole compliance issue. So hopefully, all things considered, you know, nobody transfers, which, I mean, it's impossible in this day and age. But if everybody comes back who thinks will come back, that'll help out a lot. And then also you won't have as much drama that you don't have to deal about, whether it's private or in public. Like, we all heard about the compliance issue back in September. It was like, oh, for the whole department, like, okay, this is kind of crazy. You know, Chauncey, you know, he got took a job at Miami of Ohio, so they're still looking for a full-time AD. So there's a lot of outside moving factors that are kind of going on. So this, is, I think, makes this year even more impressive in that regard for, you know, for the football program and for all the players that are young too, especially. So, yeah, I was yeah. thinking about that on my ride home from the game the other day, actually, I was kind of just thinking back through the season going home, you know, and there was still part of me in my brain of like, maybe they'd miss a playoff spot. Maybe we got this wrong and you know, the voters just don't like them right now. So I was just thinking back, I was putting the season in perspective and I did think back to the week one and all the conversations we had about, um, eligibility issues and players who they thought were going to be key guys and just it, they just weren't able to play and um, injuries as well on some guys injuries and it, it just got off to such a rough start and um, you know they were able to battle through it and they got through that Cal game which we weren't sure about and then you know Kutztown they 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 let us down but again Shepard plays in the rain weird things happen and I don't think that game was quite a good representation of what this team actually is so. Um, you know, inconsistent is one thing they are, but that was uh, that was a little bit beyond <laughs> what we expected yeah. from Shepard. I mean, it's, it was it's, it's like... almost consistently inconsistent in a way because the inconsistency, the inconsistency was turnovers. Yeah. Really, it was fumbles. It was by the running backs more so than anything. There was some interception, like Seth Morgan made some interceptions that you don't like here and there, but for the most part, he was good. And the running backs were good when they held on to the ball. And it was that Kutztown game with five turnovers. That was really the game that they really let – they were let down. And then it wasn't so much turnovers in the Bloomsburg game, but it was uh, – they they had their share of them. It, it, the offense just didn't really show up that game, and the play calling is a little inconsistent. And I think those are the problems going into the next year that you can try to address. The offensive play calling – and the turnovers, the fumbles. Can you f- get 
Malachi Brown more than anyone to hold onto the ball with a full year, with another full year of playing running back. Jordan Barnett, maybe he gets more carries next year. He was better about holding onto the ball. He looked great this year. I think that he should be your, you know, first and second down guy next year. And, you know, Malachi Brown should be your third down guy. And if you maybe you get a transfer or a, a incoming freshman or somebody or a guy that was redshirting this year that looks even better than that, that can get some carries. I don't know. We'll see. See if there's any more, you know, offensive firepower that shows up. Or if you if it's more so defense that shows up. Like you said, there's only three seniors. One of them's Dwayne Grantham. Another one's the long snapper. So it was uh it's mostly the same team next year, which is nice, barring any transfers one way or the other that that changes the team around. So there's a lot of continuity, which is a very important thing in college football. Yeah, and then added to a point that I said back in August for our D2 preview show of the year, you know, 75% of the schools would love to have a down year like Shepard has, like this year in particular. So it's always like, you know, it could be a lot worse, just saying for people, but like, you know, this is just the realistic expectations when – you know, we've been spoiled and blessed with, like, deep playoff runs every year. Quarterbacks that have been awesome the last decade or so. And, you know, Seth Morgan's done a great job uh, this year, all, all things considered. And you're just like, okay, you know, 9-2, and two, most of Division two, but, like, damn, I would love to have it. Like, East Strasburg, 9-2 and two is like, we made – this is, like, a great year for us. And for us, it's kind of like, well, you know, we're, we're used to this. You know, it's like – we don't think about the greatest golf, but, like, you know, here we are. Yeah, no, they're, they're – yeah, they're 9-2 and – and... It's like, man, what a yeah. They're looking back at what an amazing season they had, and you know, knowing it, it it's probably over this weekend for us. It's nine and two, but it's like, man, should have been nine and one. <laughs> it's like, yeah, nine and one, yeah. Very spoiled, very spoiled fan base, and um, yeah, it's 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 fun to root for this team. It's the reason we cover them so much, and you know, I think looking forward to next year. I, I like Dylan's point of you know Malachi Brown. I'd love to see him you know, kind of as that third down back. doesn't have to be even that limited, but um, I'd love to see him in more passing situations because he, he is a converted wide receiver. I'd love mm-hmm. to see them use him a little more creatively because, um, yeah. I mean, you can really screw with some, some defenses that way, especially at this level, you know? So, I mean, the fact that you have the talent to beat teams, if you can deceive them on top of it even more than you are, I mean, that's – you're going to be dominant. Right. Yeah. I – I think it's just disappointing that Malachi fumbles so much because he's really talented at running the ball. So I hope that that's something they can fix. And look, I've said it before that, you know, turnovers are sometimes, you know, luck. Like the ball just doesn't roll your way. Sometimes, you know, a fumble falls on the ground. The ball, it's uh, it's shaped real weird. It bounces. <laughs> it bounces in weird directions. Every fumble, it's it's a toss up. It's total, just it's totally just you know RNG. You know whether uh, uh, the ball is recovered by you or by the other team. It's just the, the bounce of the ball. Now you prevent those situations by just not fumbling, but it's bound to happen every once in a while. So hopefully, I mean, it was just a things are easy to set but yeah. Hopefully, it was somewhat unlucky how many fumbles they've lost and then you can work on the amount of fumbles that you had overall yeah I think it'd be a great thing to instill in some guys it's like there are times when 
we don't need that extra yard because the risk reward has not been worth it. Because <laughs> a lot of them have come fighting for extra yards right at the end of the play. Very few of them are just in the open field and, you know, a guy punching down on the ball. A lot of them, you see them there. It's someone's coming out of a scrum with it. So let's just be a little smarter about when we're fighting for those extra yards and how, how we're fighting for them. Because mm-hmm. guys, guys see that, man. Guys know if you fumble a lot, they're going to rip at the ball even more. And you saw that as the year went on. It just felt like they started piling up as, as the year progressed. Yeah, it's definitely something I can work on you know, during the uh... – spring ball this season and also winter conditioning, you know, getting bulkier in some aspects. But, you know, they have a lot of opportunities to really grow off of this year and just take it to another step next year where it's, okay, we, we maybe we can win the conference for the first time since joining and not just winning the PSAC East and taking the whole state by storm and make another deep playoff run. And then, you know, hopefully as a fan base, and you know, I'm going to say this as somebody who worked there for three years, knows the, a lot of behind the scenes, if you are a diehard Rams fan and would love to see this program continue to be successful – Please donate back to the program, whether it's through the Ram Gridiron Club, the golf tournament every summer. Um, do what you can to help, whether I mean, it's like if giving your time during the summer with like helping with the meals that they do for the kids when they work out, uh, sharing stuff on social media that's productive for the program. It's going to take a lot, especially for us as uh, with the small alumni um, base, you know, being in a, you know, a state that doesn't fund their education that well. I'm going to be bluntly honest with about that, but you know, mm-hmm. It's, it's little things, and you know we've done very well with the, what we had. And it's going to take a lot more to get to like being on a Grand Valley or a Mines or a Ferris or Northwest Missouri State level type of like serious contender with resources every single year. Yeah, that's unfortunately in college sports, money talks. It's uh, the teams with the most money end up being the best teams. It's just facilities and education and whatnot the the best players are going to want to go to the best schools and the best schools are the ones that have the money put into them that's just kind of how it works and unfortunately Shepard is a small school uh, in a small state and in a state that frankly does not like funding public education to a very (laughs) high degree so there's not a whole lot of money to go around and like I shared a video with Dylan and Ryan earlier this week from the uh, D2 football YouTube channel where they had a top 10 stadiums countdown from three years ago during the COVID pandemic. And when you look at the stadiums that they show, it's like Rainer Stadium is nice, but these facilities across the country are on a different ball game than what we have. Like Rainer Stadium is great. They're making renovations over the last 10, 15 years that are awesome, badly needed. And there are some things that, yeah, you know, the visiting side seating bowl, press box probably need to be updated as well. And, you know, they're trying to do renovations for the field house in the long-term future. So there are things they want to do badly. And it just like, it comes, it's just an arms race, which we are trying to get to, but we are not realistically financially there. Yeah. I think the one thing that Shepard has going for it um, is, you know, any given year we've seen this, this past decade, especially, Uh, decade plus I guess you could say is you know this this program is capable of competing and winning the region that they're in Um, obviously this year that's not going to (laughs) happen at least in super region one but you know (laughs) generally you're going to be in super region one it is winnable and you know I think it's great that the playoffs are structured like they are where winning the region is a big deal 
um, you know, similar to the NCAA basketball tournament in D1 where, you know, it, it, you get to the final four. Yeah, you might not win it, but, man, you can always say you were a final four team. You won that region. You get the trophy. And so that Shepard is able to get there and celebrate that and get that trophy, um, I think, is really great for, for the school because it is just impossible to compete with some of these other other teams. And, you know, it's it maybe is once in a 20-year thing when – you know, you get Grand Valley State at home and, and you can beat them. So, this is the type of thing that we would see more often in Division One if their playoff format was similar. And it's going to become more similar coming up with the changes to the 12 with the 12 team playoff when there's, you know, teams that just get automatic bids for, you know, the, the highest, you know, G5 team getting getting a bid in the playoffs. So you're going to see a lot of, you know, Tulane has to play a playoff game against Georgia. And it's going to be one of those things where it's like, oh, Tulane's really, you know, got, uh, got a really good program developing. And, you know, Willie Fritz is a really good coach. And they they do some fun things on offense. They're, in a, they're, you know, in a good market for themselves. But they just don't have the horsepower. They don't have the firepower when it comes to facing Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, it's just not going to, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah. And that's, the, even a, that's even a drawback with D1 where like you can never, you can never have these type of regions because it is such a national sport now with, you know, the, the ACC being countrywide yeah. and Big Ten. And you just can't really do that to where, yeah, we're in a weaker region, we're a weaker team, but we can win this region and that's really worth something. We can we can accumulate those, those trophies and those banners. Um, you know, the way it's set up now, it's like, I guess we can say we, we got in and maybe we won a game or what, however the bowl games are going to be structured at that point. But I think D2 has something special with right. you know, the way you're able to be within your geographic and kind of economic region as well. And, and, be able and, to and the biggest reason them. why is money. Yeah. hundred yep. percent. It's all well, money because, because like, in, yeah. in Division Two, they don't want to have teams travel across the country, like if they can't afford it. Like we're not sending New Haven, the Colorado School of Mines, just to play a week one regular season game. That ain't happening. No, no, no. no you know that's and that, I think that that that's lends itself to kind of what college sports should be at least, because you know, in recent years, you've seen college basketball, at least in my opinion, is it's a far less enjoyable product because it seems that everyone is positioning themselves to play an NBA style basketball. And to me, that doesn't work at the college level because you have to have that level of skill and that yeah. shooting ability. And for me, college basketball, at least at the D one level is, is far worse off because of it. But when I watch, yeah. you know, shepherd basketball and then PSAC basketball, I enjoyed a lot more on a game to game basis in the regular season. Um, just because for me, it's like, there's a certain talent level and the game reflects it in, in, in a good way, you know? Um, right. Like we're not trying to play NBA basketball D2. Like we're playing good, you know, fundamental, like we're trying to coach these guys up, you know, play to your strengths basketball. And, you know, I think we've lost that a little bit. And I think college football will maybe start to feel a little bit of the same, at least in terms of, you know, the meaning behind some of these games with, you know, everything going national rivalries are just going away left and right. Um, you know, D2, we still have some of that kind of old school stuff. And uh, I'm an old head in that regard. 
Do you guys think Shepard could beat the Wizards in, in the basketball game? All right, just, just kidding. <laughs> Man, right, I, I tell you what, they'd be the they they'd be a, a more disciplined and better coach team. Oh, absolutely, they I mean, would. For, for the listen, I'm a bit, I'm a Wizards fan. Hate to imagine there's only like five of us, and I'm one of the knuckleheads who follows them and still roots for them. But God, they're painful. And, and, and honestly, Ryan, I was telling Dylan this earlier, but like I'm like, so you know, with the Orioles, you're kind of like pessimistic. I'm the exact same way with the Wizards. <laughs> like, I, I don't think the Wizards will ever win a championship in my lifetime. I think there's a better odds of me beating Travis Bajan in a arm wrestling contest than the Wizards winning a championship in my lifetime. I'm just saying. Whoa. And Travis, and Travis <laughs> this is not an invitation to arm wrestling. I'm just saying, like, from a pure <laughs> odds standpoint. Let me be totally clear about this. So, yeah. Man. Yeah. I, Let I, it be known. Russell Goodacre does not want the smoke. I do not. <laughs> with the beast. Yeah, no, I, I agree there. If, if I uh... win, I, I'd write a second book. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, tough being a fan and and knowing that there's just kind of a ceiling there that you can't explain, but, but it is there. But this this Wizards team is fantastic content. They are funny. They are the pool dropping forty points on like thirty shots, and then in, being in the huddles and not knowing what the play is because he was too distracted by complaining about not having the ball passed to him. And trying to like look as the timeout is coming out, as the team's coming out of the huddle for the timeout, still like cranking his neck back to try to figure out what the play is. That video was incredible. I yeah, loved it. especially I like... the, little, the little captions that were with it to describe every little movement. It was great. And I feel like I'm watching the 2011 2012 Wizards game with Andre Watch, JaVale McGee, <laughs> Nick Young, oh, Jack and the Full Wizards all over again. Like, here we are, boys. Like, you know. It ain't fun. They don't got a. They don't have a rebuild process. Actually, has a plan, unlike the Orioles. And it's like, where are we going? You can't draft outside the top three. You suck at player development. You know, congratulations, Denny Avia. He had a contract extension. He joins a list of Otto Porter, Bradley Beal, <laughs> John Wallen, Jawan Howard. The last four Wizard draft players to have a second contract. It's like, what are we doing, man? It's awesome, isn't it? Sucks. I mean, that, that's a starting five of guys that you draft, and you, you say, "Hey, we have guys who've made it a second contract, but it spans like thirty years." Yeah, but <laughs> as a fan who's who's been there, uh, you know, most of my basketball watching life, you know, there 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 is light at the end of the tunnel. If 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 it's even for a year or two, you know, there is no light at the end for the wizard. There is no light unless they make a serious plan. But I mean. <laughs> It'll happen one of these days. Something, something will just go right. They'll luck into something. It might. There's a better chance to go back to the bullets before they have an actual plan in place. It might be, uh, yeah, it might be five, might be ten, twenty years from now. But something good will happen to them eventually. I hope so. If 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 not, if anything, it could just be by accident that something good will happen. You know, that's what I'm saying. You got to like, luck into something the, by the the you know probability of the universe. You know, just like. Eventually, there are an infinite amount of timelines. If there are, if the multiverse exists, there are universes out there where the Wizards are good. They haven't won 50 games since 1979, or been to a conference finals or NBA finals <laughs> since 79. Like, how much more do you want me to be like, oh, yeah, they'll be good? It's like, I don't know if they'll be good again in my life. I don't know. <laughs> it's better, it's better to just assume that they won't. So you can yeah. be surprised if they are. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, so the Knicks are five and five. The Thunder, the Oklahoma City Thunder, are seven and four, brother. Yeah, oh, good stuff. They, were, they started off zero and two in the in the uh, in season tournament games, but they uh, 
They were, they crushed Wemby and the Spurs last night, even though there was no Keldon Johnson or uh, uh, there was someone else who did. Trey Jones, that was the other one that didn't play. They had no point guard, but uh, yeah, the Thunder, Thunder crushed them. Thunder got a, that great top, uh, starting five. Wemby, Wemby didn't do nothing. He had 13 rebounds, but he scored uh, eight points. So uh, he's a bust? Question mark. Yeah, Wemby. Uh, we might we might just need a year on Wemby. Yeah, I think he Growing he might need a little time. He the does Spurs look... just are not good enough to put because Wemby's kind of clearly like the guy on that team, and there's not a whole lot going on around him. Like Devin Vassell, there that he might turn into something really good here in a couple of years. Maybe Kelvin Johnson's good, but. I mean, yeah, that team is it, dreadful that, to watch. Yeah, it's and Wemby's Wemby's just not going to be that kind of guy who comes in and just like takes over, scores thirty points a game or even to like twenty twenty five. Well, he's averaging about twenty actually. Yeah, uh, I think if they get him one decent player next season and then combine that with a year of just experience for him, I think they'll they'll look miles better. But it's clear so far, it's like. Yeah, he's got the, some of the talent. He's got the physical attributes, but like it's just kind of an impossible thing. And he's 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 nineteen, also. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he'll put on he'll put on a few pounds as well. Don't he won't get bumped around quite as hard. Yeah. So we've been going here for a while. Let's <clears throat> let's try to round things out. We won't NBA long season. It's early. We'll get back to that at some point. The story of the week, I think, with sports in general. Um. There might be some big story that I'm not thinking of, but I, in terms of like on the field product going to the NFL, we can wrap up there. Uh, we talked about last week that that Bills Broncos Monday night game was going to be a test of how big of a problem do we have with the Bills? Because it seems like there might be a problem there. And it turns out, well, we got to Tuesday and the Bills offensive coordinator was fired. So. <laughs> Put the, oh pie, put the puzzle pieces together there, and you'll you'll probably guess, if you didn't know, that the Bills lost on Monday night to the Broncos. Uh, what you might not know if you didn't watch it was that it was one of the best uh, games of the year in terms of at least the ending. It was incredible. It was wild. It was mostly because of, like, wow, this is a, this is a fantastic level of incompetence. Um, it's in an entertaining sort of sense. Uh, the Bills what scored a touchdown uh, to go up. Tw- they were down for most of this game. They were down fifteen to eight pretty late. They scored, and you know they they tied it back up. Uh, then they took the lead twenty two fifteen with a touchdown pretty late. Um, <clears throat> then the Broncos scored a touchdown to. You would think tie it back up, but uh, they they missed the extra point. Or I actually had that in reverse. The Broncos went up 21-15, uh, missed the extra point. Bills come back down, tie it, take the one-point lead with the with a point after. And then the Broncos, on like a fourth and 12, Russell Wilson has to launch the ball down the field with pressure in his face. Seems like it's just a heave, pass interference, sets up a field goal, <laughs> potentially. You know, the, the Bills had two timeouts. They called them first and second down. With about 25 seconds left on third down, um, 
the Broncos decide to take a knee and rush out the field goal unit, a field goal unit which had uh, botched two extra points already in the game. One was a miss by the kicker, Will Lutz, and the other was a botched snap by the holder. Uh, botched hold, I guess you should say. The snap was fine. And they rush them out there, and in, in they get things set up, kick the field goal, miss it with no time remaining, or about four seconds remaining, actually. And whoops, there's a flag. Twelve men on the field on the Bills. And they have to redo the field goal. This time, the Broncos don't have to hurry. There's four seconds left this time. And then with with the time expiring as the field goal is kicked, they make it. The Broncos win. And the Bills are now five and five. And I got to say, did we not say in our NFL preview that we were not feeling the Bills? Yeah, that's true. They, uh, man, absolute disaster class to end that game. Uh, it was very funny, but also just concerning of like, how does a team, and they, they have their weaknesses, like their defense is very injured, but wasn't dominant to begin with. Um, they don't run the ball like they should, but that team is just too talented. Even with, even again, accounting for Josh Allen's turnovers, they're just too talented to, to lose games like that. And they keep finding a way, um, you know, the, the, that Patriots loss wasn't quite the one-off we thought it would be, uh, you know, especially looking at how bad the Patriots were. Like, the, I don't know. I don't know where this team goes from here because it's, it's not really – they fired Ken Dorsey. It's not his fault, you know. That's, what, that's, the, that's where I was going to go with that. I don't think that was the problem. I don't either. <laughs> uh, it's another scapegoat moment, and this time – Joe Brady is going to benefit from the scapegoat, uh, the scapegoating, because his first NFL gig was offensive coordinator of the Panthers, and he was fired by Matt Rule and company, which I think we all knew at the time. It's like, well, I don't know if Joe Brady was working out or not, but that definitely wasn't the problem. (laughs) And now, so, and then the, the move was that Joe Brady was hired as quarterback's coach of the Bills. Now he's the offensive coordinator. Now he'll get the call plays again. And we'll see how it goes. So you, you have that NFL experience that he had, but then you had him calling plays for Joe Burrow's Heisman season when Joe Burrow the year before did not look like any sort of NFL quarterback, really. And he just kind of turned it on. Not even had, a particularly uh, great college quarterback at that point. No, when nope. he had, let's not forget that that team, the wide receivers on that team, that won that national championship with Joe Burrow with the Heisman were Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So, and uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire at running back, which, well, that one doesn't look so great anymore, but uh, he was good in college. But, you know, what what does it look like now with uh, Joe Burrow looks fine with another play caller, Joe Brady, you know, he's not going to have Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. To uh to play off of like he didn't have in the uh, Carolina, so but again I that was not the problem with the Bills. Right now this is gonna all look probably more or less the same going forward I would think. Yeah, I don't um, because in the offense. Yeah, you know, all the metrics look good, but I mean they just weren't putting up points like they should with that quarterback and 
Diggs and you know Gabe Davis is serviceable number two. Like he's he's fine. Um, good receiving tight end. Like they had the pieces there to to put up points. Uh, the, they just weren't just, doing it quite enough. The roster's should. not that good. Yeah, overall it's like it's pretty pretty underwhelming. Um, defense again, it's it's pretty injured, but it wasn't great to begin with. And you know they don't ever establish any type of running presence. And you know, in fact, you know maybe they've learned something. The game Monday night is the drive that they they went down to take the lead near the end. They ran the ball all the way down the field. They sure and, did. And mm-hmm. you think they'd learn a little something there that like that we can do this because we do have such a presence in the passing game. Teams can't afford to to, to sneak up on us. Like we can't crowd the line of scrimmage ever. And by virtue of that, you should be able to run the ball. And they don't do that nearly enough. But, you know, I mean, you're looking at the stretch they have in the schedule. Even if they play well down the stretch, there's not a lot of wins left, at least in my opinion. And maybe they pull a couple upsets and turn the season around and go on a Super Bowl run or something. But, like, it's not looking good. I mean, you have the Eagles and the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Chargers won't be an easy game, the Dolphins again. Like, there's not a lot left, and if if they kind of flame out like a lot of us probably expect they do, then you're probably looking at the head coach getting fired, too, because Sean McDermott yeah. is going to be kind of like the common denominator there. Right. I think that's closer to getting to the real issue there with the, you know, Sean McDermott's a defensive guy. Let me, let's, when it, talk about the defense, we, we already mentioned a little bit in like the last week or two. Uh, on Monday night, the Broncos starting average field position was their own 44 yard line that's impressive <laughs> and this has been a thing all season uh pretty much the bills uh starting average field position in 2020 it was uh about the 30 yard line uh 2022 or 2021 the 32 uh or i'm reading this wrong their average starting field position in 2020 was about the 19-yard line, their own 19. Uh, 2021, it was about their own 18. 2022, it was about the 20. And 2023, it was about the 23. So their average field position against the Jags in week five was uh, about the 30. And the Bengals week nine, it was about the 30 as well. So this was from Nate Tice on, on Twitter. Uh, essentially, the Bills do not win the field position battle, and that's usually on your defense. And uh, like I said, the off- Mina Kimes tweeted out, the Bills offense through week 10 is third in DVOA, first in success rate, third in EPA per play, fourth in QBR, in yards per- third in yards per play, second and third down conversion, and third in red zone efficiency. So it's it's Josh Allen being reckless with the ball, and then the defense is not good, partially because it's injured, and then like the, the offensive line and defensive line has not been great either, and they can't run the ball. So there's a lot of problems with this team. It was not going to, that's not going to be solved by Ken Dorsey. Look at their drafts. Justice Mosqueda tweeted out the last three drafts of the, or I think it's the last four drafts of the uh, Buffalo Bills, 
the their three first round picks in four years because one of them was traded for Stephon Diggs are Kair Elam, Dalton Kincaid, and Gregory Rousseau. Their <laughs> second round picks are AJ Epinesa, Osiris Torrance, Boogie Basham, and James Cook. Their third round picks are Zach Moss, Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams, and Spencer Brown. Do you know any of those names? No, not really. You know Zach Moss because he's on the Colts now. Yeah, not quite a murderers were there draft picks. Like, there's not a single one. You weirdly enough, look their at. only their only fourth round pick in the last four years. They haven't had those picks for some reason. Gabe Davis. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. They just need to keep trading. And uh, it doesn't the, the late rounds. It's not like oh, okay, what they were hit. They've been hitting on late round picks. No, no, they haven't been doing that. Kyle, Khalil Shakir, Justin Shorter, Tommy Doyle, and Jake Fromm have been their fifth-round picks. Sixth-round picks have been Tyler Bass, okay, Christian Benford, Marquez Stevenson, Isaiah Hodgkins, Damar Hamlin, Matt Areza, um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, seventh-round picks are all guys that I've never heard of. Yeah, so that's that might be issue number one. To be quite honest, because if you, stinks. if you hit on you hit on two or three of those, you know that's enough to make your team look a lot better. For what their they best, have, right? Their they best draft pick in the last four years is trading their first round pick for Stephon Diggs. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and, and, and Diggs and Allen—they're just so good. Like they, yeah. you shouldn't have trouble building around that. I no. Mean, yeah, and the Bills—they might run Allen into the ground with how much they run him because they don't have a true running back either. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that, I mean, that's also, been like, something I've been looking at too. Because like they and design runs right. Like he gets himself yeah. like not hurt, but I mean he takes some bad hits on his own volition. Mm-hmm. They design. Yeah, some he puts runs, it into harm's way. It's terrible. Like and game. He does not protect himself when he runs either. <laughs> game no, throws like fifteen points. That he's running into people. Like it's watching Cam Newton again. Yeah, but but maybe a better arm. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Allen, while reckless, is is a better passer than Cam Newton was. So uh, overall, at least, so we'll see where it goes. They get the Jets this week um, in Buffalo, so they should win that one. But I mean, you never know. I mean, I mean to be Bron- fair, that yeah. division is not fun. I don't trust Miami. No, no I don't trust Miami either. Uh, no, not in the playoffs. They'll they'll put up a good record the rest of the year, but not in the playoffs. No, no, sir. They uh. That top tier of the league, they just uh, do not deliver against. Uh, looking this week at the NFL, Thursday night football is Bengals Ravens, and whew, boy, I the I don't I'm I don't have good vibes, or at least I didn't. I did not have good vibes on this game for the Ravens, partially because the Ravens won the first game against the Bengals, and splitting these series is kind of just what you do in the AFC North. And there's that plus just I don't know that there's a uh, injury vibes uh, coming into this one. The we t- I ended the show last week talking about how clean of a slate the Ravens had in injuries. I guess I shouldn't have done that because uh, always the jinx. Yeah, that's not the case anymore because Marlon Humphrey got hurt, Ronnie Stanley got hurt, Kevin Zeitler got hurt, but I think he's going to be fine. Stanley's out for tomorrow night. Yeah, Kyle Van Noy. Uh, hasn't been practicing this week either, so tough one. You know what turned the vibes around, though? Saw a tweet from Jeff Zerbiak of The Athletic today that said, Ravens game day info for tomorrow night. 
Ex-NBA star and Baltimore native Carmelo Anthony will be the legend of the game. Orioles center fielder Cedric Mullins will be the honorary captain. The Ravens offense will be introduced. Outcast Big Boy will perform at halftime. The Ravens will be wearing all black uniforms. Ravens by 100. Yeah, I mean, I feel good about this game because the last two Ravens games I've seen, they've laid an egg and they came back and bounced back because I was there in Pittsburgh um, for that as well. So I've seen some duds <laughs> in person this year. So, yeah, it, it's probably my fault this year. <laughs> Stop <laughs> going to the games, Russ. Yeah, um, I'll be having watch parties here So in Frederick. So, yeah, good for me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think the uh... – and, you know, I don't know if this is a curse on them or not, but I do feel like the Ravens are going to come out and, like, really handle the Bengals. I don't know. I feel like this is one of those home games they come out and win by, like, 20 points. I would love that. I would love that <laughs> so much because then the Bengals would be, like, well, I guess they can't be two games in uh, behind third place and solidly in last place because the Steelers and Browns play each other, Ryan. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, boy. The Ravens might have lost in a come in a listen. Oh, by the way, that sun, that Sunday, you know, whatever. NFL's weird. You get comebacks sometimes. I don't know. They play it bad in the second half. Shit happens. I don't know. <laughs> the important thing is <clears throat> that uh, Deshaun Watson suffered a season-ending injury in that game. Um, he took us in the second half. <laughs> he, he did with with that injury somehow, which I don't I don't know how that happens. But I mean, they gave him in the middle of the field. It was like. Can we cover the middle of the field, guys? Like, seriously? Hello? Yeah, I don't know. The defense looked bad. Like, the defense fucked up the first time all year some, for some reason. But anyway. Because Deshaun I was there, yeah. the, the, the Browns and Steelers are both 6-3. and three. Uh, But Sean Watson's out for the season, and the Browns aren't even starting P.J. Walker. They're starting uh, DTR, Dor- Dorian Thompson Robinson, who looked horrendous against the Ravens. So I'm not sure what, why they're doing that, really, but – I guess it's to just kind of see what they have. I guess I, I don't know. Like yeah. I, they're right, you know, they're right in the the playoff. They're, they're six and three. They can have a pretty average finish and still like maybe snag a seven seed. So I don't like really know. The what winner that's of this about. game could could be in first place in the AFC North at the end of it. Like yeah. if, the, if the Bengals beat the Ravens, you know. Yeah. If the if the Bengals beat the Ravens and the Chiefs beat the or the Eagles beat the Chiefs on Monday night, which that's going to be a big game. Uh, the the winner of this game will will jump up into the, or I think the Jags also need to lose. I think I got it switched. So Jags. I think this uh, I, the winner can be the two seed with Jags yeah. and Ravens losses. That's yeah. what it is. So this is a big game, um, and you know for the Steelers today everything's kind of changed. Where, I mean, I was looking at this game and then next week's at Cincinnati for the Steelers. I was just looking Ooh, at that yeah. as two losses because you know through all these close wins, you got the Browns once. Um, and that was cool. And then, you know, the Bengals on the road, uh, you know, that feels like a loss. And then maybe you try to, to steal one at home against them. But things have changed now. Like, I know Deshaun Watson wasn't great, but they were better with him there. And, mm-hmm. you know, with DTR starting, you have to win this game. Like, the, it's yeah. too pivotal for your playoff chances. You just need to win. If you can handle the – I'll put it this way. If you can handle the Colts – Cardinals and Patriots. You know, maybe you lose to Seattle. You just have to win one AFC North game the rest of the year. And so this could be the one. <laughs> it probably needs to be the one. So, you know, you look at the Browns injury report today, it has 18 names on it. 
Um, I've, I've never seen it quite like this. I think seven of them are non-injury related veteran rest, but still uh, they're, they're banged up off of last week because, you know, AFC North football. So uh, yeah, huge game, biggest of the year. Maybe Kenny Pickett will throw for more than 130 yards. We'll see, but uh, can you play all four quarters besides just the fourth quarter and play all four quarters? I think this will be a good test for the Steelers run game. A good barometer test for them because they've, they ran for 200 last week, and I think the week before ran for like 160 or 170. Um, and those were against lesser teams. The Packers are a little bit more competent than the Titans were, I think, defensively, but still not <laughs> – I, I wouldn't even call them good. Uh, but still, 200 yards, you'll take that. And, you know, the Browns would be a good test to see how good that run game actually is with Roderick Jones in the lineup. But, yeah, this is easily the, the most pivotal week of the season for the AFC North, and – uh, could give us a little bit of idea how things might shake out down the stretch. Yep. 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 I'll have more to say next week. We'll see how things go. <laughs> yeah. They, we got the, Kel- <laughs> we got the Kelsey bowl, the, uh, the, the Super Bowl rematch on Monday night. That'll be fun. Um, will Taylor Swift be there? Oh. I've seen rumors. Uh, I've seen rumors that I don't know if Taylor Swift will be there, but the uh, the Swift and Kelsey parents may meet that night. Whoa! Oh boy, the rules yeah, gonna top so... up taxes for that one. It's getting serious. <laughs> but jokes aside, I love when there's a really good Monday Night Football game. The vibes yes. are just the vibes sure. are different. Absolutely. Because growing up, that was the game. Yeah, like before yep. before even like. Sunday Night Football on NBC became a thing. Like, Monday Night Football, ESPN, it was on ABC. It started at, like, 9 o'clock, so I had to go to bed. And it was always <laughs> the best game, and I always missed it because I had to go to bed. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, that'll be fun. Yeah, Taylor Swift is changing song lyrics and in, in live performances for, for Travis Kelsey. It's, uh... Yeah. It's getting it's getting serious out here, folks. Calling an audible, some might say. Oh, football! <laughs> <laughs> that's a football word yeah we might have to, we might have to end the show there <laughs> <laughs> go rams go rams <laughs>